Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, this is week two in a message series called Fish Tales. We're talking about the prophet Jonah. And if you uh, were not here last week and you didn't know, Jonah was a prophet. And if you weren't, I want to encourage you to head back and listen to last week's message. In fact, if you're watching online or you're listening to the podcast and you didn't catch week one, pause this and go back and listen to week one. This week's message will make sense in the context of our first week. Uh, But here's the deal for those of you who are here, and maybe you weren't here last week, Jonah was a prophet. A prophet was a person who had a very specific relationship with God, a very special relationship with God. God spoke directly to prophets in a way that he doesn't speak to anyone else, and he would give the prophets messages to deliver to his people. And one and all, throughout the scriptures, when the prophets got a message, there would be a little complaining sometimes because God would sometimes ask these guys to do difficult things. But they always said, sir, yes, sir, and eventually they went and delivered the Lord's message. And when we look at prophetic writings in the Bible, typically what we're studying is what God said through the prophet. Jonah's story is unique in that Jonah's writing isn't about, this book is not about what God said through Jonah. It's about what happened in Jonah's own heart. Now, we'll start with this because we covered it last week. I'm just going to hit it again real quick. Some of you are familiar with Jonah only uh, through the, 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 the story of you know, what we now know as Jonah and the whale, right? Uh, maybe you learned that in Sunday school or you've, you've, been to, uh, you know, you've been to church at some point in your life. Maybe you've heard of Jonah and the whale. We got a couple of Veggie Tales refugees out there that know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, you know, uh, and if that, some of you, maybe uh, that's how you know Jonah. Others of you have already written that off and you've already said, I don't buy that. I mean, that, that was an allegory. Surely that isn't a literal thing that actually happened and I don't buy it. And if that's where you are, I just want to allow for that. I want to give permission for that. Well, not that you need my permission for any of that, but like if just, just to make room for it, because there are some of you who've decided, I don't believe that. And here's the deal. I want to encourage you not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Even if you don't believe these things literally happened, there's still a ton we can learn from the book of Jonah. I happen to believe these events took place because Jesus Christ said later, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the tomb. He likened those two things as literal events. That's good enough for me. But if you don't buy that, you're not sure about that, I just want to allow for that because there's still a ton we can learn. So here's what happened last week. God delivers a message to Jonah. He says, Jonah, get up and go to the city of Nineveh and deliver my message to them. Tell them what I'm saying. And Jonah basically goes, no, I'm not going. Like this. And just goes, I'm not doing it. I know you called me. I'm a prophet. I get it. But I'm not going. And the reason he doesn't go is because he hates the Ninevites. Jonah can't stand the people of Nineveh because the people of Nineveh are Assyrians and Jewish people hate the Assyrians. It's a long story. It's too much to get into. Just suffice it to say, these people groups can't stand each other. And Jonah doesn't want the the, the Assyrians to to repent. He doesn't want the Ninevites to come to faith. He doesn't want these people to turn to God. He, He just would love for them all to be destroyed. So God says, go preach to them. And he goes, no, I'm not doing it. And not only am I not doing it, I'm going the other way. Not only am I not going to go where you called me to, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. So Jonah jumps in his car, cranks up the heavy metal, rolls down the window, and goes, yeah, I'm, out. I'm just doing my own thing. 
I'm going the other way. I'm having my rebel moment. The rules don't apply to me because I'm Jonah. Jumps in his car and takes off, right? And in point of fact, it was a boat, but you get the idea. That's, our, that's, how, that's how it works for us. We have our rebel moment, right? Sometimes we just go, I, I don't want to do what God's called me to do. I know what God's called me to do. I'm out, crank up the music and be on my way. And, and for, for like a hot minute, it feels great. For a minute, it's like, yeah. But then there's always something waiting for you a little further down the road, isn't there? There always is. And that's what happened to Jonah. Jonah has his rebel moment, cranks up the heavy metal, gets on his way. And eventually God says, in, 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 in point of fact, very quickly, God sends a, a storm. And, and the sailors understand very quickly this is of supernatural origin. It's quickly discerned that Jonah is the cause. And right here we find the first great juxtaposition of Jonah's journey. He is on this ship because he had no compassion, and yet he is shown compassion by the sailors. Rather than just chuck him overboard, which they should have done immediately, they pull harder for the shore, they try to save him, they try to rescue him. Jonah had no compassion for the people of Nineveh, but he is shown compassion by the sailors, the pagan sailors on this ship. He is thrown overboard, and God sends a great fish to, to, to swallow him. And what we find very quickly rising up from the pages of the book of Jonah is this. God's love and forgiveness is for everybody. God's love and forgiveness is for everybody. It's for people who didn't know any better. God's love and forgiveness is for people who should have known better. And God's love and forgiveness is for people who did know better and did it anyway, like Jonah. So here's something I'll get once in a while. Someone will come to me and go, you know what, Pastor? You talk about God's forgiveness. I get it, and I know. You're like, God forgave me. I know. I had my rebel moment. I had my time when I cranked up the music and did my own thing, and I was out there partying and doing all kinds of debaucherous stuff. And, you know, uh, God, I know that God forgave me for that season of my life because I didn't know any better. But then, you know, I came to faith, and I invited Jesus into my heart, and, and he forgave me for my sins, and I made a new start. But then after that, I went back and I did it again. I did it anyway. I went back to those old ways when I knew better. Like, I know God forgives me for the time before I knew better, but even after I knew better, I still went back and did all that stuff. Can God forgive me again? Surely there must be a line. Surely there must be a place beyond which there's no return. Surely there must be a place where God just goes, you know, you should have known better, and I'm not forgiving you anymore. And, and, and the, the, the wonderful thing about moments like that is that I get to say, no, 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 you got it wrong. There's never a limit. God's mercy and forgiveness is always bigger than you think it is. It's always wider and deeper and higher and longer than you could possibly imagine. So in moments like that, when you're feeling like, like you surely have blown it and you're way beyond God's forgiveness, those are the exact moments when God's grace means so much. Because it's bigger than you think it is. It's, 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 it's more vast and expansive, and he loves you far more than you ever dared to hope. So that's what we see coming up out of the pages. Jonah deserves to die. It would be no, no shock to anyone if it just said, God arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. The end. But that's not the end. And we see again and again that sometimes what looks like God's hand of punishment is actually his hand of mercy. 
This is Jonah chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called out to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. So two things are evident in Jonah's prayer. He's praying to God from inside the fish, and and the first thing he does is he repents. Yet, it says, yet I will turn towards your holy temple. Yet I will turn and see your holy temple again. I will turn. The Hebrew word there is shuv, to turn. Also to repent, to change course, to decide to live differently. Yet I will see your temple again. He changes course. He, he, he's, not, he's not all the way there. He's still a knucklehead. But he's, he's trying. And then he does something profound. He does something that gets God's attention. He does something that gets, you ever, you ever want to get God's attention? You know what he does? He praises God from the darkness. He praises God's name from the pitch black. He praises God's name from the bottom of the valley. How are we doing with that? Because it's easy to praise God from the mountaintop, yeah? Yeah? Oh, it's good. Praise God when things are going great, when things are awesome, when everything's going your way. Come on, some of you are in a good spot right now, right? Hopefully, a few of you are. You're having a good summer so far. You got no major crises pending. You're kind of between crises, you know? There'll be another one coming. But for now, the skies are clear. (laughs) Sorry, it's true. You know, the skies are clear. You're good. Everything's cool. It's easy to praise God in those moments. Man, everything's going great. I'm blessed. It's summer on Long Island. What could be better? I'm doing great. Everything's cool. And you're, you're praising God from that place. And it's easy to praise God from that place. It's another matter entirely to praise God when you're in pain. It has been impressed upon me lately how many of us are in pain as I talk to you guys in the, in the cafe, in the lobby, as we, we interact. Just so many people coming up to me for prayer and just going, man, I'm, just, I'm hurting like I'm physically in actual pain pain because of an injury or a disease or an accident. Some of you are carrying emotional pain because, because of what's happened to you and what's been done to you. And there's, sorry, somebody came up to me and told me a story right, right before this service that just is still wrecking me a little bit. So I'm going to fight that off. Okay. So like we're in pain. Some of us are in pain and it hurts And it's hard to praise God from the pit. It's hard to praise God from the depths. Make no mistake about this, church. It's a choice. You have to decide to do that. That isn't going to come naturally. It's not going to come naturally. You're not just going to go, you know what? Things are terrible. I just feel like praising Jesus. 
I'm in pain. Think I'll praise the Lord. That's just not what naturally happens in us. When we're in pain, we go dark. When we're in pain, it focuses us on what's wrong. So it is a choice, and you are going to have to fight for it. But boy, when you do, you get God's attention. You get God's attention when you praise him from the depths. You get God's attention when you praise him from the pit. Jonah has made what appears to be a turn, and God says, all right, my hand of discipline, what you thought was my hand of discipline is going to be my hand of mercy. And God arranges for the fish to spit him out on the beach. And now God says, all right, Jonah, let's try this again. Next verse. This is chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Okay, so God says, all right, all right, Jonah, let's try this again, shall we? Get up, go to Nineveh, preach to them. And this time Jonah goes, yeah, yeah, I probably should. He's picking the seaweed out of his hair. Yeah, I should probably go. So he goes, and he goes to Nineveh, but he doesn't do it right. He phones it in. He phones it in. Jonah doesn't care. He doesn't care. It's evidence. It's right there in the text. It's a city so large it takes three days to see it. He delivers his message on the first day, which means he didn't even take the time to look around the city and go, where is the best place from which to deliver this message? He doesn't even take the time to surveil the place and go, okay, where, 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 where do the crowds gather? Where are there good acoustics? Where is there not likely to be a lot of extemporaneous noise? Where should I go that would be the best, most effective place to deliver? He doesn't even do that. As soon as he gets to the city, he goes, fine, I guess I better get this over with, and he delivers a sermon that is all of eight words long. Did, I read the entirety of the sermon. Did you miss it? Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That was the entire sermon. Now, church, I know sermons. This is my thing. I love sermons. I love the research. I love the gathering of the information. I love the prep. I love the delivery. I love working with our teaching team to help other people. I, I coach other pastors at how to get good at preaching. Like, I, this is what I do. I love this. That was probably the worst sermon ever preached in human history. Eight words long. I know some of you are like, yeah, you could be eight words long. Be better. I know. I, I, will, I could abbreviate things a bit, perhaps. But, but Jonah, Jonah's eight-word-long sermon is just evidence. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about these people. There's no compassion. There's, no, there's not even a eight, you know, 40 days from now, the city will be destroyed if you don't repent. He's just like, 40 days from now, y'all going to catch wreck. God's going to drop fire on this place, and it's going to go down. That's it. That's all that he does. And what happens? The entire city falls to its knees in repentance. Probably much to Jonah's dismay. 
Well, what does that tell us? What what does that show us? Like, right quick, right there in the text, that the preacher is actually not as important as we think he or she is. Preacher's not as important as we think they are at all. Why do these people repent? Why do so many turn to God? Because the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting when it comes to repentance. The Holy Spirit gets involved and was convicting people's hearts and was prepping the way and was preparing them for this exact moment when they heard this exact message. The Holy Spirit was already involved. These people didn't turn to God because Jonah was clever. He did, they didn't turn to God because Jonah was passionate, because he was, he was a good communicator. They didn't turn to God because he had a clever transitional video. Dude didn't even show up for sound check. These people are not turning to God because Jonah had some great illustration, some powerful moment, or delivered his... He doesn't even care about these people. And God used that simple, simple act of obedience to change the lives of thousands of people. Simple act of obedience. Now, Jonah doesn't love these people. For the preacher, some of you might be wondering, well, if that's the case... You could just get up there and say anything, and the Holy Spirit could do whatever he does. And, and yeah, I suppose that's true, but I don't think I'm absolved from, as a preacher, I'm not, because I've heard people argue this way. I've heard preachers talk to me. I know a couple guys who, like, don't like to prep. They just like to get up, open their Bible, and see what happens. And however they do, that's between them and God. That's cool. But, like, I feel like the calling is do your best, honor God with everything you've got, you know, work hard, prep hard, and then offer it up to God. And that is because... I really, really love you people. I love you guys. I love this church. I love each and every a couple of you, but most of you. I love you all. And I, I love you people, and I'm so glad that you're here. And so I want to honor God with my best, but make no mistake. It is the Holy Spirit that does the heavy lifting when a person's heart turns to God. It isn't because of, 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 of you know, I want to honor God with excellence, but that's not really what's going on when people's lives change. Jonah doesn't care. He phones it in. But God uses that simple act of obedience to change the lives of thousands. Next verse. When the king of Nineveh, this is verse 6, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Church, listen up. You never know when a simple act of obedience is going to change the lives of lots of people around you. You never know when a simple act of obedience. Now, 
Maybe you're listening to this and you're just thinking, yeah, Jonah, I'm not, I'm not talented. I'm not gifted. God doesn't call you to be talented. He doesn't call you to be gifted. He just calls you to be obedient. He just calls you to do as he's calling you to do. To step out in faith. To offer, to offer love to the world around you. To offer random acts in a world this jacked up, in a world this messed up, to offer random acts of love and kindness to the world around you. It's, it's an act of rebellion. It's a rebellious thing to be loving now. It's a rebellious thing to be, to be caring. It's a rebellious thing to forgive and be a gracious person and to honor God that way in a dark, dark, increasingly messed up world. But you never know when that simple thing that God calls you to do could change the life of someone else. He's calling each of you. You have a calling on your life. You know that, don't you? You know that you have a calling on your life? You do, every one of you. I get it. I see the thought bubbles above your head. I'm too old. My, my time for that stuff has passed. Uh, you know, I, I, there's too much darkness in my, in my rearview mirror. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Nonsense, I say. You're never too old to jump into God's story. And God loves using people with messed up pasts, like Jonah, to do incredible things. There's a calling on your life. You were meant for more. You know this, don't you? Don't... T- Tell me the fire hasn't gone out in you. Tell me the fire's not dead. That, that sure and certain knowledge that you were meant for something more, that you were meant for something greater than entertainment options, that you were meant for something more than increasing your entertainment options, that you were meant for something more than acquisition, that you were meant for something more than just having, having experiences, that you were meant to play a part in a vast, amazing story. You were meant for that. There is a great destiny waiting for a simple thing, obedience, just waiting for you to step out in faith and do what God has called you to do. And it looks different for every one of us, but it's honoring God and and loving others and serving the world around us to walk in grace and to walk in love and to offer forgiveness. This, I am put to the test most in this when I am driving. When I'm on the Cross Island Parkway and I'm approaching the LIE and there's one lane that spits into the LIE and it's all backed up and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I see dudes zipping past me on the right darting in at the last minute. Anybody else just want to murder somebody when that happens? Guy came up to me right after the last service and he goes, yeah, I do that all the time. I'm sorry. I said, knock it off. When, when people take advantage of you. I mean, do you know Jesus, he told his followers, if a Roman soldier asks you to go with him one mile, go with him two. Do you understand the modern context for that? When people act entitled, just let them. When people act arrogant, it's okay. You don't have to get aggravated. You don't have to get ticked. You can just allow that to be and say a prayer for them and know you could, okay, I can't change the world. I can't change what's going on in his car, but I can change what's going on in my car. 
And I can change the world because in that moment, I can allow that action to make me a little bit more ticked off and a little bit more bitter and a little bit more arrogant and angry, or I can use that moment to allow it to make me a little bit softer and a little bit kinder and a little bit more understanding. And I can just tell myself, he is rushing to the bedside of a sick child. Go ahead. I can choose that. And I do on a good day. They're not all good days. And I'm sure you can relate to that. But here's the deal, church. One person at a time, one at a time, every one of us, you have a calling on your life to honor God with every single area of your life, to love the world around you and to serve the world around you. And God God doesn't need you to be gifted, talented, spectacular, or clever. He just needs you to be obedient, to step out and do what he's calling you to do. And you never know when a small, simple, random act of love, obedience, or kindness is going to change everything for the people around you. Step out and live like that, church. Regrettably, uh, Jonah is not done being a knucklehead. So we're going to pick it up right from here, chapter 4, and watch what happens to this guy next. And with that, we'll close in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for the calling. We thank you that we get to play a part in your vast, amazing story. We thank you that we get to do these things, to, to step in and be a part of it. And Father, we all have it in us to just be focused on us, to watch tons of Netflix and tons of TikTok videos and tons of all the different, all the things that we just occupy our brain with, all these things that focus us inward and do nothing for our soul. Father, we, we, we're, all, we're all focused on this stuff and, and we have it in us to forget that we were meant for something greater. Will you continually call us? We're praying that you will be relentless with us as you were relentless with Jonah to nudge us and call us and nudge us and call us into step with you, that we might live our lives, Father, not walking in giftedness or talent or some spotlight, but Father, walking in quiet, simple, like anonymous obedience to you, that we might be the men and women you're calling us to be. May that be so in my life. May that be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.